welcome to episode 12 of That's All I Know, the podcast for the perpetually curious. Um, I have back with me Shauna. Hello. Um, so this might be the first time some people hear you. Yes. Because I had to take down your old episode. I think it's important that it's made clear that it's not I said some atrocious things, it's just audio <laughs> quality. <laughs> No, I'm going to put the transcript up on the website, mm. probably. Because, yeah, it was a good episode. I liked it. Even if it was horrendously long. <laughs> I don't think that's a problem. <laughs> um. So, yeah, that's going to be up so the episode's not just lost completely. But, yeah, it's not your first time, but it might be the first time people hear you. Mm. And for the sake of not losing that whole thing, because you did some good mystery solving. Yeah, thanks. I have a new snowy mystery for you. Oh, I do like the uh, colder climates, so I'm enjoying it. Well, your clue this time is sort of the most obvious and the least guessable one so far. (laughs) Oh, that's exciting. It's one of the ones that when you know it, it'll be like, well, obviously that's the clue you'd give. Yeah. Okay. So this incident is known as the American Diatlov Pass. Mm, okay. <laughs> so I'm going to guess it's a similar situation. Explorers going missing? Sort of. They're not explorers this time. No. But did you okay. do any other research on the Dialog Pass and come across this one? I can't say I did, if I'm honest. Fair. If American Okay, right. If you had to guess where this will be, where do you think it will be? When you said snow, mm-hmm. where's snowy? Or is that like a curveball? And it's going to be somewhere like Florida. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, where's snowy? And this just shows my ignorance of American geography. Um, like, it's harsh, isn't it, on the coasts? Mm-hmm. So, but then I'm guessing there needs to be mountains. I'd go for, like, California. See, if I had to guess snowy, I would have said Alaska. I mean, that, yeah, that that's much, why didn't I think of Alaska? But you're right, it is in California. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm incredibly intelligent. There we go. <laughs> I mean, an idiot would think of Alaska for snow. <laughs> or like Minnesota? Somewhere like that. I wouldn't have thought California. For some reason in Minnesota, like the middle of America, which is stupid for some reason, because it's like not quite, it's often quite nondescript. I feel like it's the butt of a lot of jokes, but then I don't really know a lot about it either. No. I don't know. Weird. We are in California. Specifically, we're in Yuba City. Never heard of it. This is the story of the Yuba County Five. I'm going to guess there's five of them. There are five of them. Oh. <laughs> and 
Yeah, it's also known as the American Dialogue Pass. And it's still ongoing as the disappearance of Gary Mathias. Also, I'm guessing four out of five have been found. Yes. And one is still missing. Okay. Yes. So the Yuba County Five were, at the time of their disappearance in 1978, they were Gary Mathias, age 25, Bill Sterling was 29, Jack Hewitt was 24, uh, Ted Weir, which I think is the American pronunciation, but it's like via if it's... German or whatever. Uh, He was 32 and Jack Madruga was 30. And four of those, the last four, were found dead in very strange circumstances in 1978. (laughs) And by the end of this, I'm counting on you to tell us how they died. Oh no. Okay. I, okay. I did, I did a not terrible job last time, I think. No, so, you got it right. I sort of talked you into changing your mind from yeah. the right answer. <laughs> so to give you a little heads up, the Diatl of Pass, you know, there's loads of shady stuff about it. So even though there is an official answer, there are like the conspiracy theories. But that is not... that's not like really a mystery because there is an official story this Mm -hmm. is a legit mystery (laughs) I'm excited so these five men Mm -hmm. they met through an organisation for adults with special needs in Yuba City called Gateway Projects Mm-hmm. And they played on a basketball team sponsored by Gateway Projects called the Gateway Gators. And they're all really good friends. They're referred to by their parents and their families as the boys, as really any group of male friends is. Yeah. Um, That's a yeah. <laughs> They all lived at home with their parents still. There's a couple of them who are down as, like, slow learners or whatever. So, yeah, none of them are really independently living, but, you know, a few of them do manage to, like, hold down jobs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, in the free time, they play basketball together. Mm. On the 25th of February... They're slated to play their first game in a week-long tournament to compete for a trip to LA. They're all prepared, they have their uniforms all laid out, and they all ask their parents to get them up on time in the morning. They're all really excited about this game and the possibility of a trip to LA. Mm -hmm. Okay? On the night before, on the 24th, Madruga drove them 80 kilometres north to Chico, 
in Butte County, California, to watch a college basketball game. Mm-hmm. On the way back, they stopped at a shop in Chico for drinks and snacks. Um, the person working in the shop specifically remembers them because it was just before closing time, just before 10 p.m., and they were annoyed that they'd delayed closing. How dare mm-hmm. you turn up before the shop's closed? Mm-hmm. And that store clerk was the last person to see them alive. Mm. When they didn't return home the next morning, their parents reported them missing, and Yuba County and Butte County police started searching their route to Chico. There's no sign of them. They don't find any sign of them until the 28th, when a forest ranger led them to Madruba's car. He'd seen the car parked on a road in the forest on the 25th, but didn't really think anything of it because people drive up there all the time to go skiing. But when he saw the missing persons bulletin, he was like, oh, that was that car. Mm. So he reported it. The forest rangers find the car. Inside the car are the wrappers of the snacks that they bought from the shop. Mm-hmm. programs from the basketball game and a map of California. Okay. The car was found 110 kilometers from Chico and when Chico's only 80 kilometers from home that means they're way off any route home. Yeah. So they're headed somewhere else. Yeah, it seems so. None of their families have any idea why the night before their game they would have been on this little dirt road in the middle of the forest in winter, especially as they're all dressed in light jackets and stuff, like they're not dressed for cold. Mm. In particular... According to his parents, Madruga, the driver, he hated the cold and had never been in the mountains. So they don't know why he would have driven there. Sterling was sort of familiar with the area. His dad had taken him fishing near there, but he didn't like it, so he never went again. After that one time that he dad, that his dad took him so it's not like he actually knew the area and would have been going there on purpose he just had been there once so it's probably not connected it just is a kind of quirk of the story so this car that's been found mm-hmm. it's not like obviously it's confirming that they've been to the shop got the snack wrappers and stuff mm-hmm. did they have like was there fuel in the tank had they broken down or 
So you would think they would be the logical reasons for why they would abandon the car. Mm. But I'm guessing not. <laughs> but it's neither of those things. So it's not, they've still got fuel, they've not broken down, they've not, have they got stuck? Nope. They've got stuck? Mm. No, I don't know. So they did have all of those theories themselves and think, you know, they're reasonable explanations for why they'd leave the car. But the car had been driven roughly to the snow line, so like just before the road was closed because of snow. And it was in the snow and like they could see the wheels have been spun. So you would think maybe they got stuck and had to leave to get help. But at that point, it's only just into the snow. It's not very deep. They're five, like, young, healthy, able-bodied men. They would have been able to push the car out of the snow. Mm. So they've gotten... Oh, we assume they've, they've left with their own board and gone for a wander for some bizarre reason. Mm-hmm. Mm. One of the other possibilities was, yeah, that the car had broken down. So they, again, had to leave it to go and get help. But there was still a quarter of a tank of fuel in the car, which the police found when they hotwired it because the keys were not in the car. So they'd kept the keys with them but left the car. Mm-hmm. And the amount of fuel that was left in there was enough to get home. Yeah. So it wasn't that they'd run out of petrol and got stuck. Okay. So what made them get home? On further examination, the car was not damaged. There were no dents, no scratches, not even any mud on the car. So it's not like they were run off the road or anything like that so that the car had been damaged and was undrivable. There was no damage whatsoever. And given the road they were on, there probably should have been a little bit. They're on this bumpy little mountain road it's tarmacked and everything now but at the time it was just like a little dirt road yeah and unless the driver was familiar with the road which his family say there's no way he was it would have meant that they would have had to drive up there really carefully to avoid getting any damage because there were like some parts of the car that were really low down and stuff that could easily have had like stones flicked up to cause like little scratches or dents or whatever Mm. so it seemed to police that it was driven by someone familiar with the road Mm -hmm. that his parents say he definitely wasn't and there's no way he would have let someone else drive it. Yeah. 
So maybe it is just he really loved his car, so he drove really carefully on this road he didn't know. Mm-hmm. But they find it quite unbelievable that there would have been no damage whatsoever. So, I mean, to the extent that I suppose if they're all friends, would he not even allow one of the other friends to drive it? So maybe. His family say there's no way he'd have let someone else drive it. And given how much he loves his car, it's also unlikely that he would leave it unsecured. You know, if they had had to leave the car to go and get help for some reason, Mm. he wouldn't have left it unsecured. But when they found it, it was unlocked with a window down. So you get the impression that he's he's been perhaps threatened or amazing. Okay. Have any of them been considered dangerous before? Well, Gary, the one who's missing, Mm he had been in and out of mental hospitals and stuff. He was discharged from the army because he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. But he was, like, medicated and stuff, and he was considered by the hospitals that he'd been in to be, like, one of their big success stories and stuff. Um, I mean, I'll get to a bit more of that later. Mm. But... Yeah, there were some people that thought maybe he was a bit suspicious. I mean, this is me being probably a very pessimistic person. But to me, I would always be suspicious of the person who isn't found dead. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, they might just also be dead, but they haven't found them yet or something. And, you know, that's unfortunate. But equally, my mind goes, yeah, they probably did something (laughs) and i see where you're coming from Mm. but then there's some other stuff that we'll get to later on that doesn't really line up with him being sus okay okay so they found the car but there's still no sign of the boys and they're no closer to find them there's no clue of where they've gone and attempts to find them were interfered with by a severe snowstorm. Mm-hmm. And two days after the car was found, they sent snowcats out, you know, like the little things yeah. on tracks? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, them things. Um, they sent a couple of people out in them to look for them, but they almost got lost themselves, so they stopped the search. Mm-hmm. And of course, this was in the local news in Yuba County and Butte County. Um, so the police started getting reports of sightings, including reports of them being elsewhere in California or elsewhere in the country. Mm. But most of them were not helpful or 
like dismissed as hoaxes or easily disproved or whatever. But two of them, they did take seriously. The first one was from a man called Joseph Shons. And he ended up spending the night of the 24th into the 25th in his car on the same road where the car was found. Around 5.30pm, he got stuck in the snow along that road. And while trying to get out, he started experiencing symptoms of a heart attack. Oh. Which is just the worst night of your life, isn't it? Yeah. God. So he got in his car with the engine running to stay warm and just wait out this heart attack, I guess. That's horrendous. Mm-hmm. Six hours later, he's still there. He saw lights coming up behind him, looked to find a car parked behind him with headlights on and surrounded by a group of people. He said that one of them appeared to be a woman holding a baby and that when he called out for help, they stopped talking and turned the lights off. Okay. I suppose... You could argue that's suspicious behaviour, they're doing something that they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. We're assuming that this is their car. Yes. It's like, it's odd that that's what he's seeing. But then equally, could it be that, you know, they're not familiar with their surroundings? Like you say, most of them are not comfortable in those surroundings, mm-hmm. and they're frightened, and they don't know if that's a, you know, a friend or a threat. Yeah. So, yes, no, I think that sort of makes sense. If I felt threatened in a, a forest or a mountain environment and my, or whatever, and turning my lights off would hide me, mm-hmm. I feel like I might do that. Okay. I don't know if I was born in baby's situation. No, I'm not sure where she comes in. But later on, he saw torches behind him. So more lights, not headlights this time, just people carrying torches. And they were also turned off when he called for help. He initially told police that he saw a pickup truck stop behind him and then carry on down the road. But he later clarified that he was so delirious from the pain that that might not have happened. He couldn't be sure about the pickup truck. Mm. I was going to say, in this situation, someone probably going through such a medical trauma at the time, not the most reliable witness. No. But the pickup truck is the only thing that he doesn't seem certain of afterwards. I suppose... It could have just been, yeah, very realistic in his delirium. And that's the only bit that seemed a bit shakier. Mm. But yeah, that's his story. He saw this car, called for help. They turned their lights off, saw people with torches later on, and then saw a pickup truck. Mm. He ran out of fuel. 
during the night, but recovered enough to walk eight miles. Eight miles after a heart attack. Yeah. He was a trooper. Mm. He walked the eight miles to get help, uh, found help at a lodge, and the manager drove him home. On the way home, they passed the spot where he'd heard people talking, and that is where the car was. Hmm. So, did he see them with a woman and a baby? If they did, or if he did, rather. Who was she? Was he mistaken about seeing a woman and it was just the boys who didn't want to help or didn't want to be seen? Did he not see them at all and another car just happened to stop in the same place the same night? The thing is, I mean, you could easily, if you're not feeling very well, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, he's talking about quite a distance as well, isn't he? From where to where? To seeing them. Is it quite a distance away? Um, All of these things were sort of just behind him. Like he could see him in his rearview mirror. Hmm. Could it be, I mean, it's it's the 70s. Did any of them have long hair? You know what I mean? Like, you could mistake a man with long hair if he was carrying, like, a jumper or something. Yeah. Carrying something, you know, in your delirious state, that might be what your brain makes sense for it to be. Mm-hmm. Rather than there being this other mystery person. Yeah. I Although, I don't know, you could go completely wacky and say, like, maybe there was a woman in distress and they helped her out and that's what forced them onto the road that they weren't familiar with because they were trying to help her get to somewhere, I don't know. Maybe. Um, but you would imagine that come forward. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, if she was with them, unless she was luring them somewhere, then you would think she would have said, oh, actually, I saw them. They went here. Yeah. So, hmm. Um, I would call him Fire. Uh, his mum is adamant that if it was them in the car, they would have helped him. Mm. Um, and she mentioned a time that he and Sterling had helped someone overdosing on Valium to the hospital mm. and stuff like that. So she's like, they provably would help someone in need. So she didn't believe that this man had seen them. Mm-hmm. Like he might have seen someone, but she's like, nope, it wasn't there. If they were there, they would have helped. Yeah. The second um, sighting that they took seriously was from a woman working in a shop in a little town 30 miles from where the car was found. And I believe 30 miles along the same road. Imagine this little dirt road in the forest is 30 miles long. 
America's so big. I know. <laughs> so big. <laughs> yeah, she's in this little town along this road. She saw the missing posters, you know, a few days after they went missing. And she told deputies on the 3rd of March that she'd seen them two days after they disappeared. She said four of them had stopped at the shop in a red pickup truck. And she could tell straight away that they weren't local. So that's why they kind of stuck in her mind and she took notice of them and whatever. Uh, Two of them, she thought Hewitt and Sterling Mm. used a payphone while the other two went into the shop. Mm -hmm. Police decided she was a credible witness and the owner of the shop backed her up. Um, He thought it was Vyer and Hewitt who went into the shop rather than Hewitt using the payphone. And similar to the night that they were missing, they brought they bought some drinks and some snacks and left. Mm. Byer's brother told the LA Times that skipping their basketball game and driving to a little town in the middle of nowhere in an unknown truck was out of character, which I think it would be for most people. Yeah, I'd say so. But he says that the behaviour that the manager described sounded like the boys, mm. especially if it was Vyra and Hewitt that went into the shop because they were the closest out of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, And he, sorry, Hewitt's brother said that he hated phone calls so much that the brother would take calls from the rest of the group. So he doesn't believe that he would have been using the payphone. But if the manager's right and it was Hewitt that went into the shop, then... You know, the brother's not really got any anything to dispute that. Um, and he might have gone to the payphone, but he might not have actually made the call. Like, whichever, whichever way, whether it's the manager or the other woman that's right about who went into the shop and who stayed outside, it's still possible that they were there. Mm. So they were supposedly still around a couple of days later in a pickup truck. Interesting. But despite those reports, they still don't really know what happened to them because they don't know what happened after they left the shop, if they weren't there, and they're still missing. And they can't rule out foul play because they don't have either the boys alive or their bodies. 
and they have nothing to go on until the 4th of June, which is just over three months after they disappeared. Mm-hmm. By then, the snows melted and some motorcyclists go to a campsite uh, just over 30 kilometres from where the car was found. The trailer that they find has windows broken, so they're like, hmm, what's going on here? They go inside, and when they enter, they're overwhelmed by the smell of what turned out to be Vaya's body. Mm. Yeah. Sophia's body was on a bed wrapped in eight sheets, which seems odd. Um, His feet were almost gangrenous Mm. and, like, really badly frostbitten. And he'd lost almost 100 pounds, or about half his weight, Mm. since he'd gone missing. And his beard suggested that he could have been alive for 13 weeks after he last shaved. Mm. And I'm not certain how long that would be, you know, since his disappearance. Like, I don't know how long it would have been that he shaved before he went missing. But... All of the wanted posters showed him clean-shaven. And you would think if he wasn't when he went missing, then they wouldn't use that photo. Yeah, because it does change quite a lot. Yeah. Like, it changes how you look quite quite significantly, yeah. Hmm. Okay. So he could have been alive for 13 weeks after he went missing. I was gonna say it had to lose that much weight. It would have to be a long time, mm. or like you know, a not insignificant amount of time. So that sort of makes sense. Yeah. Mm. When we're saying wrapped in sheets, like like you would wrap yourself, or like someone else would have had to wrap him. Um, like he was wrapped by someone else. Okay. Mm. But he's the only one. In there. He's the only one in this cabin or trailer. In there, other than obviously it looking like he's been wrapped by somebody, is there any other like suggestion that someone else had been there? So he's dressed in his trousers and velour shirt, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. And next to his body, they find his wallet with cash, so he wasn't robbed. Yeah. Um, His gold necklace and a ring with his name engraved on it, like his nickname. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is also a partially melted candle, mm-hmm. a gold watch that didn't belong to him, and his shoes were missing from the trailer. Mm-hmm. 
There's both clothes, but no shoes. He's got his wallet and jewellery and a watch that belongs to someone else. And they don't know who? No. His autopsy showed that he died of starvation and hypothermia. But the police don't really understand how. Because in this trailer, there's a fireplace with kindling materials and matches. But no fire had been made. There's warm forestry clothing stored in the trailer, which was unworn. There's a butane tank in a nearby shed which would have heated the trailer if they'd opened the valve, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. And 12 ration cans had been eaten, but a locker with enough food to feed all five of them for more than a year was unopened. Now, this, I mean... Potentially, this may be offensive, but I know braces up. How, like, obviously, he's got like learning difficulties mm-hmm. and things like that. So, I don't know. In those situations, would he necessarily have the common sense to do these things? Like, turn on the butane. Like, would you necessarily know to do that? Know how to use a butane tank? See, that's a fair point. You should have been working for the police. I just think, like, if you're not... Especially if they live with their families in their... What are they? In their late 20s. Yeah. They might not be accustomed to doing things for themselves. Mm -hmm. So maybe it just wouldn't occur to them, like, that's how that works. Or, like, if they're not very outdoorsy, would he know how to build a fire? Yeah. Would he think to make a fire? Or there's the thing of, like, if there's loads of food, if it's someone else's property, I know that some people would have that mental block of this is stealing. And despite you're going to die, they're like, no, it's not mine. So they just wouldn't take it. Yeah, exactly. Um, No, you're right. That's a lot of what his family said Mm. so the police are obviously looking at it as you know what would any of them do if they were in this trailer but yeah his family said that really not doing any of those things seemed about right for him yeah um they said that his learning disability gave him a lack of common sense that would have meant he wouldn't have been able to survive on his own. Like, even in a fully stocked trailer where, you know, any of the investigators are going, you can easily survive here. His family is saying that he wouldn't have been able to. Because, yeah, one, it would be stealing. And two, he just didn't have the common sense. Um... They said that he once had to be dragged out of a burning house because he was worried about missing work the next day if he got out of bed. 
Oh, like if he got up, he wouldn't go back to sleep and get up on time. And... Yeah. Okay. Like if he didn't go to sleep, then he'd miss his alarm and he'd be late for work and didn't think, no, I need to get out because the building is oh, on God. fire. Yeah. Yeah. So his family are like, no, he, to be fair, exactly seems about wrong. right that he died in there because mm. he just wouldn't have thought to do those things to survive. Well, if you're, I mean, purely, I'm not saying this is, like, sinister, but can you, you could imagine that maybe, I don't know, him and some, one of the others had found this, this mm-hmm. cabin or something, and one of them didn't mind eating the food or something. Yeah. But if he is saying, no, you can't, then maybe they would have moved on, but would have taken, you know, if there's some food gone, maybe yeah. they ate that and then kept going, mm-hmm. or something along those lines. I mean, maybe I really... Shoes? I don't know. <laughs> I really think you're going to solve it by the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's unsolved, <laughs> But there was evidence of the others in the trailer. You're right, he didn't find it by himself because, as well, presumably if he doesn't have the common sense to take advantage of the supplies in the trailer, he also wouldn't have had the common sense to break in the way that they did. And again, there's the, if the, if it's a moral, the, like, it works the same with yeah. the moral or the common sense, like, he wouldn't feel comfortable breaking in. Yeah, if he or... can't steal food to survive... He's not allowed to break in to survive, surely. Yeah. Okay. So, all the others' evidence, or just some of the others? Uh, Some of the others. They're not quite sure who was in the trailer. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems likely that Matthias was in the trailer. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. One thing is that he wouldn't have been able to cover himself the way that he was covered uh, partly because his feet would have been so painful Um, so he must have had someone else in there to like help him with the pain he was in Um, the ration cans that had been used they were opened with a type of can opener that only Matthias and Madruga would be familiar with mm-hmm. because it was like army issued can openers and okay. those two were ex military. Okay. And Matthias's shoes were in the trailer. So, so it's, a, it's an easy assumption then that he swapped shoes yeah they Maybe think they were warmer or they think his feet were swollen with frostbite so he took via's shoes because they were bigger mm-hmm. and left his own mm-hmm. so it seems like it was the two of them that were in the trailer but they could have been more than that mm-hmm. i'm still getting sketchy vibes off of the I'll find Jerry here. <laughs> so that's the first body. The next day, they find Madruga and Sterling's bodies. 
They were 11.4 miles from the car on opposite sides of the road. So they didn't make it as far as the trailer. And Sterling's body was really just a skeleton. And Madruga's body had been partially scavenged. Mm -hmm. Um, The autopsies showed that they both died of hypothermia. If I'm honest, I don't understand how you do that just from bones. But officially, they both died of hypothermia. Um, And they suspect that one of them wanted to sleep and the other just didn't want to leave him. Apparently, that's one of the like late stage effects of hypothermia that you just want to lay down and never sleep. Mm. So they think that one of them was like succumbing to hypothermia and the other one didn't want to leave him. Yeah. They found with Madruga's body that he still had his car keys. Mm. Okay. So surely he intended to go back to the car? Otherwise, why keep the keys? Yeah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, if he was planning to leave the car for good and they were running away or whatever, why would he yeah. bother to keep the keys? It's true. Well, I suppose maybe if it is a surprise, enjoy it and stuff. Even if you weren't thinking you were coming back, you'd find it hard to fully abandon it, I think. I suppose, maybe, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, like you say, because it's not locked and the window is down, it makes you think that, yeah, you didn't think they were going to be gone for long. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Two days later, two miles from the trailer, Hewitt's dad found his backbone under a bush, which is just terrible. Uh, They managed to identify him by his shoes and jeans nearby, and the next day... They found his skull and could use dental records to confirm there was Hewitt. And he also died of hypothermia. So you've got those three. The one in the trailer, hypothermia and starvation. Mm. So Matthias is the only one who wasn't found. As I said, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia and discharged from the army in the early 70s. Mm-hmm. He had psychotic episodes once he was home, but by 1978 he was being treated as an outpatient and mm-hmm. was medicated and stable and part of this program and all of that. Like He was really 
considered a success story. So, I'm going to take issue with one thing. Uh-huh. In that the other four have learning difficulties, or like you said, they were described as slow or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and I know it's, it's, it seems like all mental disabilities or issues are being bundled together. But, you know, this other, like, this other guy, he's not got that, he's not slow, he's just got mental health issues. Yeah. So, part of, I don't know, even though, you know, it was part of this thing, did no one have that issue that, like, they're all clearly not on the same mental level as him? He's not slow, he's not, as they say, or whatever, he's just... And if he's actually a success story, he's not even really suffering as much, say, anymore, as long mm. as he's taking the medication, I guess. Well, he... I mean, it seemed like some of the sort of assumptions were that he was sort of taking advantage of their vulnerability and stuff like that. But... Those assumptions seem to come with the idea that all four of the others were helpless and couldn't do anything for themselves, which isn't true. Because like I said, a couple of them had jobs. Um, I mean, there were a couple of them who couldn't drive because of their uh, like learning disabilities, but obviously the one with the car could. Like, they weren't all... Oh, no helpless people that he took advantage of in the way that, you know, internet sleuths sort of make out. And I did see one source that had a bunch of stuff about him having been arrested since he left the army and like the other parents not approving of the friendship with him and stuff like that. But that was only one source that seemed very unreliable. So I can't actually say that, you know, he had been in trouble That's with police and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I can't can't really say whether he's suspicious or not yeah it's one of those things like it feels like you're demonizing someone for something Mm. (laughs) in a way but then like equally i suppose it sort of removes some of the blame like i feel like my instant reaction was if something is making me leave the car and it's just the five of them could it be the, I don't know, if, if something has gone wrong, if they're lost, quite high pressure. I imagine if you've got mental health issues, that can be quite challenging for you. Mm. And especially with schizophrenia, I don't know if that would be, I don't know, if he hadn't taken his medication, you know, if they've been out longer than they imagined yeah. and he's not taken it, could that cause like an episode that would be quite frightening or... Anything like that, I suppose. I don't know. So, once he's missing, they did 
obviously assumed it had been off his medication because his parents would be able to check if it was at home mm. to say, mm, it's here, he hasn't got it, he hasn't been taking it if he is alive. Yeah. Um, so they sent his photo to mental institutions all over California, but never found him or his body or any sign of him. Mm. So he has officially been missing for 43 years, five months, and well, six months and six days. Mm. So, yeah, of course, once he was missing, he would have been off his medication. But mm. before that, no. he yeah. he should have been fine. Yeah. The problem is because of the state of some of the bodies that have turned up as well. Like, they seem to be in worse and worse condition mm-hmm. as they found them. Like, it is completely possible that he also died, but his body was just in even worse a condition than that. Yeah, completely possible. Mm-hmm. So, come on, crack the case for me. Oh. I don't know. It's, it is a, it's one of those ones where you're like, oh, there's so many... It's what made them leave the car in the first place. Like, to me, it's obvious why... Not obvious, but, like, it's an easy explanation why uh, the guy in the trailer died. Mm-hmm. Like, you can sort of explain that, and the family, I guess, sort of agrees with that theory of why that happened. The other two... If, you know, they're not dressed for it. If it's harsh conditions, I suppose it's like the uh, of class one, where if you get hypothermia and you, like, I mean, they in particular, they're not dressed for it anyway. Yeah. You, you're, you're not going to last long. And, like, they're good friends as well, so if one of them is, like you said, laid down to sleep, whatever, they're not going to think, well, sod you, I'm moving on, hmm. I'm going to find some shelter. They think, no, I'm going to wait for my friend. So that sort of all makes sense, but I just don't know why, they've, why they're there. Yeah. Why are they there? I mean, you say that it's not like they would have left each other, but yeah. it does seem like, yeah, the first one stopped and... The other stayed with him, but the other mm. three did carry on. Mm. So whether three of them did make it to the trailer is not clear because, you know, they know that two of them were definitely there. The other one was only two miles away, yeah. but I'm not sure in what direction. Like, I don't know if that was that he didn't make it those last two miles or that he made it to the trailer and then left. Because it seems like Gary did make it to the trailer and then leave. So whether mm. three of them got to the trailer and two of them left, yeah. and only one of them was found, or whether only two of them made it to the trailer and then Gary left and survived, who knows? Mm. I suppose, I don't know, was there any... I know their remains weren't in tip-top condition, but could one of them have hurt themselves? I mean, one of them, that uh, apparently they can tell they it died of hypothermia despite just being a skeleton. Mm. But 
I don't know, like, if you're not, you know, a hiker and it's not great out anyway, like, it's snowy or whatever. Yeah. Like, you could twist an ankle or something that would slow you down. It might not be necessarily that the others were leaving them, just they were further ahead or, mm. you know, they, they were slower than the others, so they kept going or... I don't know. Yeah. I mean, no one knows the answer to any of these questions is the problem. <laughs> the official theory is that Gary Mathias had friends in another small town in Butte County and that they could have gone to visit them on the way home but taken a wrong turn and ended up on the mountain road. Mm. In that case, the lack of damage to the car would have been down to careful driving. Although, if it seems that inevitable that there would have been damage, taking a wrong turn and ending up on this weird little road. I don't know. I don't know. How careful are you? Would you manage to do that and not get even the tiniest little scrape? Isn't that... Hmm. How narrow is this road? That's what I'm thinking. Because if you end up on it and then you think this isn't right, you would slow down hmm. in the hope of finding somewhere to turn around, I suppose. So if you were unsure, you would slow right down to have a look around, see if there's any sort of possible turning point. If you're not familiar with the road as well, I know they say that obviously their argument was if you're not familiar with this road, you're going to have a damaged car. But if you're unfamiliar with it and you're concerned about that you would slow right down you'd be cautious if there's something coming in the opposite direction or yeah I think their sort of reason for thinking that they must have been familiar with it is that I can't remember if it was like a bumper or an exhaust or something that was like hanging down Mm -hmm. like on a bumpy road it was they they think there's no way that someone that didn't know the road would have been able to make it out with any damage. But yeah, if he loved his car that much, he might have just been very careful. Mm. So yeah, that explains the lack of damage. Um, but if the plan was to go and see these friends, then surely the friends would know. I mean, I'm making big assumptions here, but I would assume, based on, I don't know, if you just use that one example of not wanting to get out of your bed even though your house is on fire because you might be late for work, Mm. you know, you're not prone to ad hoc, like, you you don't just go, ah, we'll just drive here. So I imagine you plan quite, and you would probably tell your parents or tell someone like oh we're not coming straight home we're gonna go here first Mm -hmm. and considering you know they had stopped there was a payphone yeah i feel like they would have told somebody like at least one of them would have wanted to to phone home or to tell someone like oh we're going here instead yeah because it's not like it's madruga's friends Mm. who he's going to see and the others have got no choice because he's driving. Yeah, he's convinced there. Yeah. 
Yeah. He could have just been like, no, we're driving home. I don't care if you want to go and see your friends. Mm. Um, but yeah, the the friends couldn't confirm that they were supposed to be seeing him that night and they hadn't spoken to him for months beforehand. So there's not really any reason why they would have just randomly have been going to see these people on the night before this game. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you could just, I know they had a map or whatever, but were they familiar with the area generally? Not specifically the mountain path or whatever, but like that area for driving, would they have been using the map to get around? Um, I'm not really sure. So I'm thinking it could just be horrendously unfortunate, like the man that's had a heart attack and mm-hmm. had to walk for miles and miles, you know, like horrible. But it could just be unfortunate in that they've took a wrong turning mistakenly, not realised until they were on this path, got a bit far in, maybe got out to just see if they could see anything they recognised. Yeah. And then, you know, got lost, maybe. Like, that would explain just popping out of the car, going to see, getting lost, and, you know, things turn bad. Mm-hmm. So it could just be, you know, all unfortunate. No foul play, no big mystery. It's just, you know, they got a bit lost and bad things happened. Yeah. Could have been. But Wiley. Why leave the car unlocked and all that? Maybe they just thought they were popping out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the official story that they were going to see, or the official theory, rather, was that they were going to see these friends, took a wrong turn and ended up on this road, and then, in the police's wording, abandoned the car for whatever for whatever reason and carried on on foot they don't know why they would have done it but they're they're going right so they got here they left the car we don't know what happened in that little tie up together bit but they left the car so there are no circular patterns in their tracks so they don't think they were lost because usually people tend to walk around in circles a bit but they seem to be like have a direction. Mm. Uh, they think they could have been following tracks left by a snowcat that mm. was clearing the trailer roof the day before. Mm. Um, and one of the questions as well is why didn't they go to the same cabin that Joseph Shons went to? Because they'd already passed that cabin. If they were in trouble, why didn't they go back to it? Mm. Why did they instead follow these tracks? But they're like, well, they might have just assumed the trailer was closer than it was. Mm. Could it also be... I mean, this still doesn't add up why they would have left it unlocked or with the windows down or whatever. But if if you are if it was quite a treacherous road to drive on, mm-hmm. maybe he didn't want to drive on it, and said we'll walk. 
instead. But where are they walking to? I don't know. How far away is this house they were supposedly going to from where they were found? Um, I can't remember exactly, but miles. Mm. I don't know. But in the same way that you were like, oh, one of them couldn't force him to drive, he absolutely could refuse to. Yeah. So, but unless he just was like, we're not, I don't want to drive anymore. (laughs) We need to find help. Or we need to find someone to... But then why did he leave the car unlocked and the window down? (laughs) That's the tricky pickle, yeah. <laughs> this is why the authorities just said, yeah, they just left it. <laughs> yeah. They just got out. <laughs> Don't know why, we're not going to find out. They just did. <laughs> so, yeah, Madruga and Sterling died on the way to the trailer. Um, they believed that others found it. The other three found it. They do think all three of them made it there. Um, But they believed it was private property, so they didn't use all of the stuff in there that they could have for fear of being arrested for theft. But as you say, why were they not worried about being arrested for breaking in? And in any case, it was owned by the Forest Service, so it would have been fine, really, if they had just used the stuff. It's not really private property. Yeah. Um, And one of the other things is they broke into this window, but one of the reasons that Vaya died of hypothermia is that they didn't block the window that they broke into. And it makes sense the same way that all of the other stuff makes sense for him, according to his family. It makes sense that he wouldn't block that window. But they know that at least one of the others was there who would have had the common sense to block it. So why didn't they? But would they have left through that window? So it might have been blocked. They left through it and he wouldn't think to re-block it. But why wouldn't the one that left re-block it? Well, because they're on the... I suppose you would... I don't know, like, I suppose if both of us were... had broken into somewhere mm-hmm. and you had the thought to block it yeah, from the inside, if you then left, would you think then that you had to block it again or would you assume that I would do it? They're good friends. They know, or Gary would know, that uh, Vire is not going to block it. Mm. They've potentially been there for weeks, according to beard growth, etc. Mm-hmm. He surely would know that he won't block it once he leaves. And if he was there and left, where was he going to? To get help? Because, yeah, why would he not leave that place as secure as he could? 
to make sure that he was okay by the time he got back. And once they're in there, would they have to go back out the broken window? Well, I don't know how it was like. Was it padlocked? Because then maybe. Mm, I don't know. Also, we're assuming that he's still alive when the other one leaves. Maybe he's died, or they think he's died. Mm-hmm. So they think, right, I'm going to try and press on, find some, like, you know, like if you've been there for weeks, one of you has died, they might think, right, no one's coming, we need to go find help. But if they were still there, how did he die? If he was by himself and died because he didn't feed and warm himself, how did he die by those causes with other people there? They just refuse, I guess. And if it's both, you know, he's starving and he's got hypothermia, maybe it's quite hard to distinguish what the issue is in those things. Because if he's wrapped up, you could feasibly think that some, they think he's just cold mm. and they need to keep you, like, keep him warm rather than thinking about the food issue. I don't know. Yeah. Or if he's absolutely refusing to eat, I suppose, what could they do? I don't know. Mm. I'm not sure. I mean, the part of the official theory is that they only left after he died. Mm. So yeah, there must there must there must be some reasoning in the mind of investigators for why or how he died with them there. But mm. yeah, I, I that doesn't make sense to me. But then I suppose, yeah, that would explain why it wasn't blocked off anymore. There's no need. Hmm. Yeah. to keep warm anymore. Yeah. Yeah, they think the other two left after he died to try and return to their lives. And we know that one of them didn't make it. We don't know what happened to Gary Mathias. Mm. But, yeah, my big question is why leave the car the way that they did? Because like the cutting open the tent and putting no clothes on but just having a stroll, why would you leave it but leave it unsecure but also keep the keys? It's not like nowadays where you might have accidentally unlocked it while it's in your pocket. Yeah. Mm. But that's all I know about the Yuba County Five, and I don't know the answer. No. It's a head scratcher. Yeah, he's still officially missing. Do you reckon he's started a new life? Do you reckon he died and they didn't find him? Um, I would say initially I'm thinking, I was thinking, you're proper sketchy, something's gone down here, mm-hmm. you've uh, squirreled yourself away somewhere and no one's noticed, yeah. sort of thing, but I think most likely he's also, you know, got caught up in 
this and his remains were just, you know, obliterated. Like, mm. We don't know where they are because he's in the worst state of the, the five of them, perhaps. Could be, yeah. Um, yeah, it was hard to find for sure, but that same sketchy website that said that he'd been arrested and stuff did say that the road they were on was just the follow-on from like one wrong turn back home. So even though it was like miles off course, it was literally just a fork in the road. One of them goes home, the other goes to this road. It's just miles long roads. But whether or not that is true and it could be that simple, I'm not really sure. Because, yeah, that was only on this one sketchy website and yeah just the car why why is the car unlocked why is the car unlocked Mm. what made them leave they were not stuck they were not out of petrol they were not hurt as far as anyone could find the car was not damaged and who's the woman was there a woman was there a pickup truck were they spotted a couple of days later? I don't know. Yeah. I was going to say, the woman sort of makes no sense if there's five of them, because where there's no room in the car. I mean, they're American cars. They're massive. Yeah. can easily fit more than five people. Maybe I equate, like... Like, in my mind, I would think that you'd be like, no, five people fit in the car. No one else allowed in the car. I don't know. It just is very nicely lined up that we've got, he saw the car and then the pickup truck and then the woman a couple of days later saw these blokes rock up in a pickup truck. Yeah. And they seem to be the only two credible witnesses out of the hundreds or thousands of reports that they had. Yeah. I don't know. So that's fractured. Mm. Mm. <laughs> that me. Well, yeah, I was relying on you to crack the case. Well, I think that's a bit, you know. Expecting too much of me. Have <laughs> <laughs> you come prepared? Yes. You've done your homework. <laughs> now, I caught you out last time. Yes. So, I really would like to uh, catch you out again. Okay. If that's okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, my first fact. Mm-hmm. Wait, I'm going to clarify I've got it right again. I'm going for two lies, one truth. Yes. You're finding the truth. Yes. Thank you. Right. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. Pineapples take three years to grow. Mm-hmm. There are more tigers in captivity in the US than in the wild worldwide. Mm-hmm. And 
leopards can't roar, they meow like domestic cats. Oh, I really thought I knew this one. <laughs> but then, is the leopard thing true? I'm sure at some point I've known that there are more tigers in captivity than the US than there are wild. But was that in a pre-Tiger King If it's not true now, it has been at some point, I'm sure. Um, do pineapples take three years? Big fruit. There's a big fruit. But it's lots of little fruits put together, in it? But that might asparagus takes three years. I think there's no need for asparagus to take three years. It's not good enough for three years. <laughs> um, leopards meowing. I'm sure... No. No. I was going to say, I'm sure there is a big cat that meows, but is that true? I don't think that is true. <laughs> I'm going to stick with my gut and say tigers. I meant you right. <laughs> sure I was going to get you. I was torn. So when Niall was choosing his ones, mm -hmm. he operates slightly differently from me. In that I try and think of three facts and then walk them. Mm -hmm. He doesn't do it like that. And I find that bonkers. But, you know. I think <laughs> mum does the same as you. Yeah. Well, it makes the most sense. I don't know where, how you come up with them otherwise. So yeah, you're right. There are more tigers in captivity in the US than worldwide. So the figures that I have, they might not be accurate, like right now. Mm -hmm. But there was an estimated 3,890 tigers in the wild today. And then according to US government and conservation groups, around 5,000 to 10,000 tigers are privately owned in the US. That's mental. That's insane. I know. You're looking forward to Tiger King too, though. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd also my other facts weren't outrageously wrong. No. My non-facts. They're not they unbelievable, though. No. They do take two years to grow pineapples. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, What's it called? It isn't leopards that meow. There are four big cats that can roar, which are tigers, leopards, jaguars, and lions. Mm -hmm. But cheetahs, they meow. Oh, there is one. Yeah. yeah. That's in, um, I want to say, how much poo does an elephant do? Oh. One of them books that I've got. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I didn't know if you watched. I think it mentions it in the. What's it called? The lion. Is it the lion in your living room? Have a tiger in your living room? It's I don't know. It's a documentary. But, you know, well, I have to come back because at the minute we're one all. Yeah. On the back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're about to get busier, but. 
I mean, whenever you're free, you yeah, can come back. You can squeeze one in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you two want to co-star, you can. <laughs> oh, we might do. But, you know, we can't have the lead weight of my own, you know, trying to lift <laughs> us down. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. It was lovely. <laughs> If you enjoyed this, you can find us on Twitter at T-A-I-K Podcast, on Instagram at That's All I Know Podcast, and see you next week. Bye. Bye.